0: So let us get ready to enter into the Word. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we enter into your Word, we thank you for the gift of it to us. We thank you for your Spirit and how you speak to us. Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to your your Word. Speak to us exactly how we need to hear you, Father. Father, I pray that you will take my words and you will fill them with your Holy Spirit's power, because without your power, without your Holy Spirit, they are meaningless. So please, please, and and fill this with your power, we pray. Lord, we seek your will in this time. We dedicate this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We are going to be in the book of First John, we're going to be in chapter three. So if you have your Bibles and you want to begin moving there, uh, that would be great. So that when we read, you can follow along. I would like to apologize for my voice. Uh, I am a little froggy sounding. Uh, I promise you, it is just allergies. We got a new—I got a new riding lawnmower, early Father's Day gift um, on Friday night, and so yesterday I was out mowing a lot of the a lot of the day and uh, I thought oh it's going to be great I'll be up off the ground it's going to I'm not going to have as many allergies as I'm mowing wow was i wrong <laughs> it obliterates the grass which is great and our grass is really really long right now um, because i haven't had a good mower to to really do a good job of getting it takes too long so it's all seeded which that's what i'm allergic to is the grass seed And so that stuff gets obliterated, shot out the side, which it's supposed to do. But then it was windy yesterday, so it's all just getting blown right back into my face. And so uh, I could hardly breathe last night as I was trying to go to bed. So I apologize. If I get a little bit of a cough, that's that's what it is. So um, the funny thing is, it's a Father's Day gift for me. But my wife, uh, Moira, was out on it yesterday in the pasture. And she is in heaven on it. She doesn't want to get off. She's just a driving around, and and she's like, this is so much fun. And she goes, I think this might be my happy place. I'm like, all right, if you want to be in charge of the mowing, you can be in charge of the mowing. She was just having a lot of fun on it. And then she got off, and she goes, does it bother you that I didn't like do it in order or anything? Because I mean, she just squiggly lined all over the, the yard, uh, the pasture. And I'm like, no, eh, maybe a little bit, but not really. I thought she was just making a nice racetrack for our kids with their bikes out in the path, out in the... Tr- anyway, it's just our pasture. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, because we don't really have, like, a lawn. So, um, anyway, it's been a really fun thing to do, and all that to explain that I have a little bit of a weird-sounding bo- voice today. Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> Woo! All right. All right. So we are going to be reading chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the first 10 verses. Um, it's interesting because I really like the lectionary. If you don't know what that means, it's basically a word for, um, like the church kind of helps you. If you follow the lectionary readings, um, If you every three years you will have read the entire Bible. That's what it is. It's a, it's a organized form of reading the scriptures. Um, and a lot of churches follow the lectionary with their, their preaching. I, I, um, I worked at a church that followed it every week and I had never heard of it before that, and I really grew a great respect for the lectionary. And so anyway, I'm following the lectionary as we're getting closer to Pentecost, and the lectionary reading for this week stops on verse 7. And I felt, well, let's just read all the way to 10. That's the end of the, like, sort of section we're reading. And, I, and the part that I really am gravitated to is verses 8, 9, and 10 at the end. And the funny thing is, as I was reading my commentaries today, this week, getting prepared... Uh, The very last thing that my commentary talks about for this section is um, the lectionary reading stops at verse 7 because verses 8, 9, and 10 are a little bit more of a challenging section of Scripture because, as you'll see as we read it, John takes some really hard stances on something and they said a lot of pastors just don't want to have to deal with deal with the hard the hard stance that he takes. So they just stop at verse seven and they talk about the love and the stuff at the top. They don't talk about, but we're going to talk about the hard stuff today because that's what I that's what I felt the spirit was leading me to. So, um, we'll you'll see what that is when we get to it. So let's start. Let's start in verse one. If you'll follow along, it'll be on the screens. If you don't have your Bible with you, um, here we go. Chapter three. See what great love the the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that I did not know him. It did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, All who have this hope in him purify themselves as he, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who uh, lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. That's where it would stop if we were going just with the lectionary. So verse 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. The word of the Lord. You see where it gets a little harder at that end. He takes a really hard stance on this idea that if you um, are sinning, he basically calls you the child of the devil. We're going to unfold that a little bit as we get to that section. But let's start at the beginning. Let's work our way there. Let's see how he develops this chapter. <coughs> oh, excuse me. He starts off talking about this great love that the Father has lavished on us, which it is. It is an amazing amount of love. Um, it, it allows us to be called children of God. We talked on Easter Sunday about the, the passage in John where Jesus tells Mary Magdalene to go and tell his brothers about what she has seen. she He refers to the disciples for the very first time in the Gospel of John as his brothers. No longer are they just his followers. No longer are they just his disciples. They are his family. This imagery is an imagery that is most commonly referred or associated with like the, the idea of adoption. Adoption is a huge idea. Um, I have never adopted a child. I was not adopted, so I don't have a lot of first-hand um, knowledge of what that is. But we have several different families in our church that do. Um, if you don't know much about adoption, if you've never experienced it, I encourage you to talk to like the trans They've adopted their children. Um, and talk to the Courtney's as they are adopting uh, Violet right now. But think about the concept of what adoption means. Adoption is this idea that Somebody who is not of my family, somebody who is not even of my blood, somebody who is a stranger to me, I want to bring them into my family. I want to make them part of me. and I will treat them and love them the way that they would I would if I had been their parent. It's an amazing amount of love. Uh, the amount of love an adoptive family has for their children is just enormous. Because they've gone beyond the the blood tie to truly this God like love that He has for each of us, it is a massive amount of love. To think that we who were not of God, who are not, who have lived lives that in have in all essence goes against God, He loved us so much that His Son was killed on the cross for us, so that the sin that was in us could be obliterated so that we could be adopted as children of him. That's the amount of love Christ and God have for us. <clears throat> and the reason that the world doesn't know us as Christians is because they don't know who Jesus is. They don't really know him. They might know the name, but they might they don't know his essence the way we do. And Jesus told us that that do not be afraid when the world hates you or the world persecutes you because they hate me and they persecute me too. All right? He goes on to talk about how when Christ returns, we as his children will be like him. Um, And this is implying not just like the way that he was when he was alive, but this glorified state that he was in following the resurrection. There was only a there was a group of people that saw Jesus post resurrection. The number that people guesstimate ranges. Um, it, it, I like the number around 150 is the one that I settle on that I agree with. About 150 people saw Jesus alive on Earth after the resurrection. They saw him in this new state of being that he was in. Okay, because it was different than he was prior to death. Okay, It wasn't just that he came back to life. He was in this glorified state, so he was very different. Right? And about 150 people saw him, and they're the ones who spread the, the word about him and the gospel and the beginning of the church. Okay? The only people prior to the resurrection that saw him was John and uh, Peter. They were the ones who went up onto the top of the mountain with him, in the transfiguration moment, where they saw him, and I believe even more glorified, his true state of glorification than he was after the resurrection. So they saw what he will be, I believe, when he comes back. Right. So there, and that's what the that's the verbiage that John is saying. John's saying, "Listen, we even as the disciples after the resurrection didn't fully see him as he will be, but the hope is, and that when we take this hope." that we as his followers will be like him when when he returns. We will enter into a state of glorification that is different than we are now, which is good because I don't want to spend eternity the way I am now. And I don't know where you stand on that, but that's just me. Uh, I know that I would like to be uh, more glorified than I am now. (laughs) That sounds weird. (laughs) All right, let's move forward. (laughs) All right, all of the people who have hope in him, God, Jesus, they purify themselves the way that he is pure. Now, we have talked about this a couple weeks now in a row, that we, on our own, cannot purify ourselves. You cannot. It is truly a work of Christ. It cannot be done by you. Anybody who has ever tried to purify yourself by your own willpower, your own strength, has failed. It is impossible to be clean the way that God is or Christ is clean without His help. But when He is involved, when we have our hope in Him, when we, that means when he, we are in relationship with Him and He lives in us, we can be purified through His work in our lives. Okay, this is that idea of the process of sanctification. Sanctification is a big word that basically just means to become more pure. Uh, it's the, the imagery is the purification of like gold. You're working it to get rid of the impurities out of it. Um, and, and that's what our lives should be. We are a process of purification. Every day we take one more step out of the habits that lead us away from God and one more step into lifestyle <clears throat> lifestyle changes that are like Christ. Okay. I'm going to get a law real quick because my throat keeps getting tickled. Apologize. All right. Now, we are constantly working with Christ to be purified. We want to be more like him. And the reason we want to be more like him is what we see in verse 4, that anyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin itself is lawlessness. This term lawlessness in the Greek is the term that is referred to the, the Antichrist. This idea of the lawless man uh, is what the uh, Antichrist is referred to in the Gospels. Uh, it's this person who goes against the very essence of who God is, the very essence of what God is about and the work he has in this world. So sin in its nature moves away from God and who he wants us to be. And when we live in sin, we are taking that type of an uh, an essence upon ourselves. So if anybody is a reader of Revelation, you've probably heard of the Antichrist and who that is or what it could be. Um, And I don't know how that will all play itself out in the end. But I'll tell you that the term Antichrist is more of an essence of being than an actual person. It's this idea that if you are working against God's purposes, against God's work and will in this world, you are working as an antichrist in the world around you. All right? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, at the very end, there might be somebody who comes around that embodies all of that, and we call that person the antichrist. That's a future, and I don't know it, so we're not going to talk much about that right now. But we as people, if we choose to live lives that go against God, we take on the essence of what an antichrist would be, okay? And we don't want that. We don't want to be that. That's what John is trying to tell us, uh, because he says, "Listen, when Christ came, he came to destroy that. And Christ, when he appeared, he had no sin in him." John is is drawing a very strong line that when we live out sinful lives. We are going against Christ because Christ had no sin in him. He chose to live a life for God every moment of his life. He continually chose to do God's will. Because of that, he was without sin. And so when we are, when we live for him, we are constantly working with him to make our lives more like that, more Christ-like. All right. Now, John wants us to understand that there are lots of different ideas about God out there. There's lots of ideas about Jesus out there, and they're not all right. And there's a lot of people out there who were trying to lead Christians astray. And we talked last week about how the primary reason John's writing this letter is because there was a group of people, disciples, who were teaching that Jesus was not really God, that he was just a teacher. And that's a really dangerous idea, especially for John. John, his whole book is all about, uh, John. The, the Gospel of John, is all about showing how Jesus is the Son of God. And so to have a group out there that is teaching that Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't really the Son of God, that goes directly against what John believed, and and so he writes this letter to them, and that's what we talked about last week a little bit. There was other elements to this group that John is addressing, and that's what we're seeing here. There was this idea that you could um, keep your mind and your soul clean by your beliefs, and your body, the physical part of you, could live in this world and do whatever it wanted, and it wasn't a big deal because they're separated in the first church in the first century the concept of the physical and the spiritual were very separated there was your your mortal body was was broken it was tainted and, and it would do whatever it needed to do in that element but your spiritual side if you kept your spiritual side purified then it didn't matter as far as your salvation was concerned John is speaking to that now by saying very very strongly that is not true. You are a complete being. What you do in your life, what you do with your physical body, it is a representation of what is happening inside of you in your spiritual side. They are not separated. Um, and and as we move to the end of this, this section... <clears throat> man, I am so sorry. My throat is... I, I'm trying not to cough. <laughs> um, when we move to the end of this section... He is saying, listen, if you are living a life where you're allowing sin to be part of your life, then you are living like an antichrist, which is the work of the devil. That you are a child of the devil. He says that not because there's no hope for you if you've sinned, because that goes against everything else the scripture tells us about God's grace and forgiveness, we know that if you mess up, if you have a relationship with God and you mess up and you fall, which we all do, when we fall, if we don't come, if, if we come back to him and we ask for his forgiveness, he picks us up, he walks alongside of us, he tries to make us not fall again. He works with us. That's the process that we're talking about. Process of sanctification. You are going to fall, and that is okay. Do not have shame. Come back to him in forgiveness or in, in repentance, and he will forgive you. It is when we do not do that and we choose to live a life that is more and more along the lines of the sinful habits inside of us then we're moving away from God and that's when John's saying listen you can't call yourself the son of a God son of God if you don't live the way that God would want you to live or at least be working with Christ to be more like him okay mm-hmm yeah you tell me all right. So you see, the world is divided into two kingdoms, and this is where my title comes from. There are two different kingdoms in this world that um, we need to be aware of. There is the kingdom of sin, which is this world, anything that goes against God. Uh, there is a kingdom of God, or heaven, or salvation, I like the idea of salvation, That when we accept Christ into our lives, we move into this kingdom. People who don't know Jesus live in the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of sin, and often they just don't even know that they're that they're lost. They don't know that they're they're in this world that is broken. And we in the kingdom of heaven, when we've accepted Christ in our lives, we are working with Christ to become more and more like Christ. The, um, in verse. Uh, Let's see, where does it say? In verse... Ooh, let me find it. In verse 8, 9. In verse 9, it talks about how when we have accepted Christ and God into our lives, everybody who does that receives a seed of God, the, God, the seed of God in their lives. This term seed is a dual... It's dual imagery. Um, we talked... Multiple weeks ago, about how <coughs> about how when Christ needed when Christ was um, prophesying or, or telling the disciples he was going to die, he was saying, "I have to die, just like a kernel of, of wheat has to be buried. It has to die and be buried in order for more wheat to grow and more seeds to be produced, and thus the spreading of the of the of the seeds." We talked about how Christ had to die on the cross, had to be buried in order for him to be resurrected so that his disciples, who he was talking to, could receive the true seed in them, which is the Holy Spirit, that could be planted in them, could be grown and and mature itself in them, and they could then go out and spread the seeds of Christ's love to the world around them. We talked about how that couldn't happen if Christ didn't die. If Christ stayed alive and it would, it would mess all of it up. It would. And so we, that's the imagery here too. When God, when we accept Christ into our lives, God plants his seed in you. And that seed wants to grow and wants to spread to encompass all of you. It wants to, it wants to become who you are. It's this idea of Christ-likeness in you. And every time that we we live in a lifestyle that draws us closer to God, which is more like Christ, that seed spreads and grows in you. And it becomes easier for you to spread it to other people. Whenever we choose to live lives where we are making habit choices that move away from God in that sinful habit, we talked last week about how There's this overarching idea of sin, this original sin, and that all sin, all of the sin in our lives comes from that. And what the sin we have in us is a, it's this acting out of the sin. And when Christ died on the cross and we accept Christ in our lives, that original sin is obliterated out of us. And then we have to work with Christ to break the sinful habits sinful behaviors we have, which is the process of sanctification. Okay, And every time that we work on those and move away from them, we become more like Christ and the seed spreads. Every time that we kind of, you know, don't really work on it as much or we just sort of let it go for a while and we move back into old habits that are sinful, we're we're restricting the growth of that seed in us. We're restricting the growth of the kingdom in us. I Recently started working out about a month ago. I've been working out for about a a month. (coughs) Every day, I go to the gym. And I do different things. And I always feel really invigorated when I go. It's a good habit. It's a good thing to do, right? And I used to hate working out. And now I don't. But um, two weeks ago, I got my second COVID shot. And my arm was pretty sore for a couple days afterwards. So I chose not to go work out on Wednesday and Thursday because I'm like, ah, oh, my arm's really sore. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to mess it up. And so uh, I didn't go. On Friday, I went back, and I was in a class, and and I can tell you right now, I felt like I hadn't been in like a month. I mean, it had been two days of not doing this, and it felt like the habit of not working out, and it was much harder to wake up that day, and I, I just didn't want to get up, and then I went, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so, it was so much more work because I I took some time off. It's the same in our lives. If we are working every day with Christ, become more like him, then the habits are easier to get away from. It becomes easier and easier to move into what he wants us to be. If we allow little things in our lives that might not be pleasing to him, because they don't seem that big of a deal or, you know, I'll get to that in a minute. Oh, I'll, you know, it's not that pro- big of a problem. When we allow those those little innocuous things build up, it's like missing your workout for a couple days. When you go back to try to fix it or you go back, it's a lot harder to. And it becomes much more easy to just say, well, I don't really want to get up today. I don't, I'm, I'm going to sleep in. That's not, that's not sinful. You can sleep in. I'm just my example. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say there, John is not telling us that because you made a mistake, you're the son of, you're the son or daughter of the devil. He's saying that you can't be in both kingdoms. You have to choose. You either are going to be in the kingdom of this world, which is a, a, a kingdom of lawlessness and sin, and your own your own plans or you're going to live in the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god and you're going to work with Christ every day to become more and more like him you don't get to be in both you don't get to say well mentally and spiritually i'm all with god and but my physical body i can still i can still do this i could still do that you can mess up John says that in other parts of his writings. You can mess up and that's okay. Do not feel shame from that. Come to Christ in in repentance and he will move you back into right relationship again. It's that simple. But he says, listen, you can't say you are the child of God and still live over here. You have to have a desire to move constantly more and more into this. How many of you understand how the embassy system works in the, in the world around us? An embassy is, um, a place in another country that represents your country. So we use the U.S. because that's where we live. An embassy, a U.S. embassy in another country is normally a compound of several different buildings where an ambassador lives and lots of other people work. It's important to understand that that embassy is not part of whatever country it's located in. If if you're the if you are at the embassy in Germany, if you're standing in the embassy, you are in the United States. It is sovereign United States go, um, land. I don't know how they work that. How like you know, does do they buy the land? I don't know how it works, but that is the U.S. soil. Right, you step outside of the gates, you're in whatever country you're in. Okay, that's a big deal because um, what is it, about a decade or so ago, there were several different U.S. embassies that were attacked. Like those are those are acts of war. You're not just you know rebelling against a building or an ambassador. What you're doing is you are attacking the homeland of the United States. Okay, that's why it's such a big deal when that happens. Now, the ambassador who works in the embassy their sole job is to look out for to look for the best interests of the country that they represent so if it's the United States um, ambassador he is looking to promote the u.s ideals he's working towards bettering the the country that they're located in with the u.s in mind he's looking to do um, to do whatever best best is for the country now they don't always do that and it becomes a scandal when they don't but That's their primary goal. Now, when we accept Christ into our lives, he comes and he resides in us. The seed of God is in us. And if we allow that seed to grow, it encompasses us and it continues to become more and more of who we are. We enter into, as I said, the kingdom of God. When you do that, you become an embassy for the kingdom of God in the world around you. Everywhere you go, you take the kingdom of God with you. Whether you're at work, with your families, you're going out to eat, grocery store, you are a living embodiment of the kingdom of God walking around, and you are the ambassador for that embassy. Your primary mission is to constantly be looking at how to better the kingdom of God in the world around you through loving people, the way that you talk to people, the way that you interact with your coworkers, your family members, <coughs> the way that we interact with each other here. Thank you so much. I know. <laughs> it's getting worse. Oh, that's so much better. For all of you out there in the Internet world, I am sorry for the <laughs> hiccups. So when we are ambassadors, any time that we live opposed to the thing that we say we are, any time that we allow things to build in our lives that don't represent Christ, it's as if the ambassador of a country is not doing their job. They're failing. You don't have the news following you every day telling the world around you, hey, this, this ambassador is not doing their job. We have this opportunity to live a life that is full of grace and love. We have the opportunity to show that love, that grace, to a world around us who truly don't know what those words really mean. They think they do. They have their understanding of what they mean, but they're, they're distorted by the world. They don't know true love and grace the way God does. We have this opportunity to be a living example of that to the world around us. To be ambassadors of his, of his love and grace to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers, and our whoever, the checker out at the store. And we want to be that. Because when we do that, we create an opportunity for somebody else to know God and to know His love. And at first, it might freak them out. And if it's just like the checker at the store, it might be the only opportunity you have with them, and they might not. It might not be that big of a deal to them. But it's one more step that they've been called. By God, bring them in, bring them back. I'm reading a book. Um that I I love this book. It's um by a Christian author. And he uh it's a fictional book, but he's very blatant about what it represents, very much like C. S. Lewis. It's a it's a Christian story, or I mean it's a the fictional story, but it's very much about God and salvation and sin and all these things. So this book <clears throat> he he has the Christ character in it. He is the character, I mean, it, it's blatant that this is supposed to represent Jesus. And so there's a group of people in this story that have rejected him. They actually think that anybody who follows him is, like, distorted, insane, they've been diseased, all these things. And this author does this, he depicts the character of, the. he, he depicts the Christ character, and he, and he shows how much, that Christ is anguishing over the fact that this group of people that he sees as their as his bride would rather live in the darkness than to come to him. And he calls them with his love and they reject him. They, they, tell it, they, they believe it's 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 evil. It's just such a great image, uh, and the Bible has that same imagery in the book of Hosea. If you've never read the book of Hosea. It's about Hosea, who's a prophet, who marries this woman, who turns out to reject him. I mean, they're still married, but she rejects him, becomes a basically a prostitute, sleeps with like all these different men and all these different things, and he is faithful to her and loves her and is constantly trying to bring her back to him. It's that same imagery of, of a God who loves the people who don't know him yet. And they, he calls to them and he says, Come to me and you will be loved. Come to me and I will accept you as you are and I will redeem you and I will, I will make you whole again. And he sits in ang- ang- anguish. He, he's mourning and, and weeping over the loss of this bride. And he says, listen, you as my church, you as my ambassadors, I need you to be out there. I need you to be loving them so that they can hear my call for love, so they can know to come. Now, you might not bring the cashier lady or man to church, but you might have sparked the question that they might then go get answered by somebody else who they know follows God. We are... We have this amazing opportunity to be part of this work of the kingdom of God. We don't get to live in both worlds. We don't get to live in this this kingdom over here, this kingdom of, of the world, and think, well, if I live like them, then they're going to hear it better from me. If we live like them, they're going to say, well, what does it matter? You You're just like me. Why would I listen to you? But if we live like Christ, they might not understand it first. The Bible says that. But over time, they will hear the calling. They might ask questions. They might seek you out. They might find their way to church. They might find Christ over the internet. We don't know. But we are called to be part of that. And it's such an amazing opportunity we have to be part of this kingdom. Not just to be a member, but an ambassador of it. Out there planting seeds. Out there watering seeds that have already been planted. Out there bringing in the harvest, as the gospel says. Will you pray to? me? Father, we love you. You are our everything. Father, thank you for helping me get through this sermon <clears throat> with my throat. I pray that your voice was heard. You are, you are our salvation. You call us out of darkness and we come. But there are so many still in, in the darkness. Help us to be ambassadors of your light, ambassadors of your love, so that people will see you, they will come to find you, they will come to salvation and be saved from the darkness so that they can begin to work through the purification process with you. Father, help us to identify the things in our lives that we might not think are a big deal right now, but that we that you know is slowly moving us and tempting us away from the path. Father, forgive us for those things. Help us to come back. Help us to continue to seek you, to become more like you. Help us to exude your Christ-likeness in the world around us. Forgive us for the times when we don't. You are our everything. And we want your will in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when, when I, I cannot stand, stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus. of the kingdom of God. Love the world around you. Show them his grace, his mercy, his peace. Show them that he accepts them for who they are, to come to him and to be saved. Go, his peace, you are dismissed.